Bears Nation. How do we play as Chicago Bears? Laying the foundation for all the years to come and setting the standard how we want to play. Join the nation. Bears Nation. You know, it's, it's really about playing full speed all the time. It's time for the Bears Nation podcast. And that's something that you have to coach and teach. With Kevin Lapka and Jake Hassan. You know, we, we think that it starts up front and we believe in that. It's Bears Nation. Welcome in Bears Nation podcast. Myself, Jake Hassan, joined as always with Kevin Lapka. Kevin, do we have new imaging? Was that new? Was was that new visuals in the open there? No, not in the open. But we need to change it because it currently says Khalil Mack. Or, you know, and that is tough. It's outdated. That's tough. So it seemed new like imaging coming soon. Extra, seemed like there was a couple extra Justin Fields clips in there, but I don't know. Maybe I just didn't pay attention. But anyway. Welcome back, Bears Nation podcast. Um, if you were here for the live stream last week, spoiler, you're going to hear a lot of the same stuff because <laughs> we have to re-record uh, the podcast because my new apartment apparently did not play nice with my laptop last week. So we're going to give it another go and we're going to give it another shot, but we're still going to play, do some new stuff. We're going to play a little Would You Rather, break down a couple other prospects that we didn't talk about on the live stream last week. Um, for those of you hearing this for the first time, welcome. And we're happy to have you. Uh, with but that being said, Kevin Lapka, how you doing? I'm doing well, man. It's gonna be a fun episode today. We got some rankings that we both put together. We put that out on socials. Our top five favorite prospects that we want the Bears to draft from the receiver position, who we think will be available. We're gonna get into those lists. That'll be fun. We know the people out there love the lists for whatever reason. You can make a list of anything. I don't care what it is. Like I feel like it's, every it's podcast, big list season it's, right it's now. It's big list. Big season. list season yes. right now. And people eat it up, man. People eat it up because you constrict it to five or ten and, you know, someone gets left out and it starts a fire. It starts a frenzy. And I'm sure looking at our lists, there are some names that are left out uh, on both of our lists and there will be some fire started by that. So I think we should just get get right into the list because in the list include some of those players that we didn't talk about last week. But we're still going to go over some of those guys that we did talk about again if you are. Uh, here who uh, on the live stream and you were here last week, you might hear some repeat names. So why not? I mean, these are guys who are have very high chance of being drafted by the Bears, so you can never hear too much about them. But if you're watching here on YouTube, I'm going to throw up on the screen our wide receiver draft rankings. Let's start with Jake, his list, starting with number one. Jake, you want to read them off for us? Yeah, so my list goes as follows. George Pickens, Justin Ross, Kevin Austin, Sky Moore, Traylon Burks with the caveat of Burks that he's five because we don't know how far his stock will drive. If you could guarantee he's in the second round, he'd be my number one, but he's five because of these rumors that his stock is dropping. Right. I mean, we, and that's, and that's why I put a little asterisk here on the graphic. If you're watching that and again, you can watch us on YouTube every Wednesday at seven central eight Eastern time. It said that should, or could be available for the bears. Like that's the thing we don't know. <laughs> like Pickens might be taken late end of the first round. Traylon Burks has been touted as a potential top five prospect, but these things mm-hmm. change. We talked about the fact last week that the running five-year average of number of receivers taken in the first round is 3.6. So there's a very good chance. Like the interesting thing now is like this is not a strong QB class. Obviously, no running back will be taken in the first round. The linebackers aren't great. So I feel like just given the fact that other position groups aren't great is the reason you might see more than 3.6 
four, basically, receivers taken in the first round. But, you know, Traylon Burks could be that guy that falls out of the first. It could be George Pickens, and it could be Jahan Dotson, who leads off my list. I have number one, Jahan Dotson from Penn State. Number two, Justin Ross, similar uh, to Jake, who also had Justin Ross at number two from Clemson. Then I had Pickens at three, Calvin Austin, the third from Memphis at four, and then John Mechie, the third from Alabama at five. So let's start with Jake's list here and break this down a little bit. The, the name that pops out to me as I think higher than most is Kevin Austin from Notre Dame. You were high on him last podcast. What are the things yep. you like about Kevin Austin? And do you, where do you, you know, cause the way I put this list together was, you know, most of these guys I think could be taken in the second round, but I think a couple of those guys could be taken in the third. Where do yep. you think they'd be able to grab Kevin Austin? What do you like about him? Yeah, I mean, Kevin Austin could be a later round pick. I'm not saying he has to be your second round pick. Um, just what I like about him is obviously comes from Notre Dame, which is a big program. They were in the playoff hunt. Uh, obviously, they are a big major program. And just his production with the likes of – if you can put up a 1,000 yards or close to it with Ian Book as your quarterback – I really like what he can do. His physical traits, I really like too. Just his measurables are really great. And he's just gotten better every year. Mm-hmm. You know, he missed some time early in his career, and then he's just gotten better and better and exploded uh, this past season with, I think it was like 880-something yards and really just put it all together finally. And again, that's with, um, God, who was their quarterback this year? I don't remember uh, who was this year, but some the, bump, the trend of some Ian Book-esque is, guy, yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, I just think he... For the production that you know you can get from there from the Notre Dame passing game, which isn't a very prolific passing game, and you can put up those types of numbers and touchdowns that he did, and you know, you get better, you bounce back from injury. He does have some injury concerns in his past, but I think if you could get him in the fifth, maybe so you think he's I mean, going that late? I think it, Kevin Austin might be four three, but here's the thing the draft, it's gonna be so weird. I just feel like there's going to be so much weird stuff that because it's a deeper draft. And we also like when you got Kenny Pickett going at eight or Malik Willis, and then there's going to be this run on these exceptionally average quarterbacks. It's kind of going to be like last year where these guys get kicked down. Um, and re- and last year, guys got kicked down because the top, the offensive linemen, the DBs, the linebacker were so exceptional. And then quarterbacks kind of fell. But this year, it could be the opposite where guys are reaching for quarterbacks who are average. You know, Carolina might mm-hmm. say, all right, Matt Rule and Kenny Pickett, let's put them back together. You know, let's put them together, you know, like they were supposed to be in college. And we'll, let's see what happens, you know, because it's Carolina. and ugh. But or, you know, or someone's in love with Malik uh, Willis. I, it, it could have a domino effect like we saw last year. Yeah, I mean, no, I think you're right. I think Kevin Austin, he's he's like when you look at him, his body is really good. He's got a long chiseled frame. Uh, you yep. know, that's what that's what they talk about. And he's really built and he's got good size for the position. The production is interesting though, because like he did put up those numbers, but throughout his career, he only has 54 catches. You know, yeah. throughout last year was his best year by far. Entire career. Yeah, but he has really good ball tracking skills. When I watch him, he's he's got the deep threat ability to track the ball and work back to front, and, and he's got those those traits, but I'm let's go. I'm going to go to my number one. I, I I'm going to let's start with Jahan Dotson for me, because this is a yep. guy I touched on last week who I think is he's kind of all over the place as far as where scouts are evaluating him. I think people have him mid second round potentially. Then there's people who have him later end of the first round. Again, you know, like Jake just mentioned, it, there's just no way to know. I mean, things are going to happen on drafted that you don't expect. I'm not going to sit here and tell you where Jahan Dotson is going to be drafted, but I think there is a high probability he will be available at pick number 39 for the Bears. And the thing I love about Jahan Dotson, I mean, there are a number of things I have in my notes here. He is very good at all three levels, though. He kind of reminds me of Cooper Cup in that aspect. He can play the deep ball. He can get you on a screen route. He can, you know, run the intermediate routes. He also has punt return ability. And we talked about, 
you know, the, the possibility that they're going to want a more explosive punt returner, a guy who's been doing it at a higher level. Des Newsom has that experience. Is he the best option? Probably not. But the thing I like most about Jahan Dotson as well is he's very, very competitive. And you see full speed every mm-hmm. single play. It's not just when he's catching the football. When I watched him against Ohio State this year at Ohio Stadium, it was, it was you know, the blocking aspect. It was every play. We're going 110%. That's the kind of player you want on your team, especially year one. His footwork is premium, but he also makes those spectacular grabs. I honestly think he could be just as – he has the potential to be just as good, if not better, than Garrett Wilson. And it's almost like if he was an inch taller, if he was six foot, he might be a first-rounder. It's like, you know, with girls sometimes. If you're six foot, you got a chance. If you're under six foot and you're 5'11", you're just not making the cut. That is the way I see it with Jahan Dotson. What, people are concerned what a about his metaphor. Size. I mean, tell me I'm wrong, but people are concerned <laughs> about his size. I think if he mark, if he checked off the box that he was six foot, I think he'd be a first rounder. But you talk about one thing. Uh, one theme I want to talk about before we go to your next guy is, you know, we talked about this last week, and I think we talked about Calvin Austin. Is like. Justin Fields' ability to break the pocket and create, and 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 Shane M says that's facts, Kevin. Appreciate it. Uh, and, and to create after you know just the initial play. So okay, Jahan Dotson runs his his five yard in route, but but wait, you know Justin Fields has rolled out. He's broken the pocket. He's buying three more seconds. What are you going to do at that point? He's going to run around, find the open hole in the defense. Last year, I was thinking about it, Jake. How many times did you see a player like Allen Robinson do that? And, you know, we, there were numerous times where we would watch replay highlights. And I think there were some things going around on Twitter. And we're like, what the heck is he doing? You know, the play's over and he's just standing there. He's not coming back to the football. Jahan Dotson is a guy who's going to get open. And I think a lot of the receivers that I have chosen in my top five list are guys who are capable of creating something once Justin Fields, you know, sort of breaks that pocket, which he does so well. Let's go back to the list, though, and start well, with Jake. Well, real quick, I want to I touch on Dotson one more time. Like, talk about a guy who who had production from subpar quarterback play. Like, you're talking about Sean Clifford here at Penn State. Yeah, like, yeah. this is – and Dotson yards, is – And here's the thing we talked about Dotson last week. He's a freak. Like, he mm-hmm. has enormous hands. He's a great athlete. He is just – like, he – and his ascension – and he went from third team All Big Ten to first team All Big Ten to third team All American and first team right. All Big Ten this year. He's unbelievable in his ascension in a Penn State offense that is run, 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 and you know quarterback play that leaves a lot to be desired. It's been unbelievable, and I really, really, really like him. Like I left him off my list just because I knew you were probably going to put him on yours, and we talk about him regardless. So I wanted to get another name on mine, but I mean. He's unbelievable. Like I Dotson, if I had put him on my list, he he would have been number one. Like I, if he's with the Bears, like that athleticism and that just freakish ability to track down the ball and come down with it. I mean, you can't ask for more with Justin Fields. Like that's the kind of guy he needs. Mm-hmm. Like Darnell Mooney, we talked about this last week. Like Darnell Mooney, love him. Like I think he's good. I think he's going to take another step forward. It looks Absolutely. like he put on some muscle this year, which is great. His steps forward year to year over the last couple of years has been great, but. I mean, he's he doesn't have the freak ability that Dotson does or that Dotson can bring. And also Dotson, you know, Mooney came from Tulane. Dotson comes from, you know, the Big Ten, obviously. Yeah. And that's why Mooney was a fifth-round pick. But And nothing against Mooney. Again, I love Mooney. I love what he brings to the table. But Dotson, like, he could be that guy for Justin Fields. Like, he could be like darn, he could be what Darnell Mooney yes. was last year times but 10. Better, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the upside is so high. And that's what scares me about the reality of him being available at 39 is that, 
I, I, like teams fall in love with that exact thing. Teams fall sure. in love with, you know, the excitement, the explosiveness to the athleticism. That is the sole reason you've seen Christian Watson vault himself into, you know, arguably being a top three receiver in this draft. It's because you watch yep. the tape and it just pops like Jahan Dotson's tape. It just pops. You know what I mean? Like you can talk all you want about oh, some of his route running deficiencies, how he gets caught up at the line of scrimmage. Sometimes it doesn't matter. His tape pops. And like those things matter in certain players. But when you have a player as athletic and as explosive as him, I, I think you can get away with, oh, he's going to get caught up at the line of scrimmage every once in a while against a more physical cornerback. Like you, you can live with those things. Darnell Mooney lives with those things. Sometimes you might not sure. even face that. Most teams don't even press Darnell Mooney. I doubt they'll press Jahan Dotson as well. So right, let me ask you a question off mm-hmm. the, based off of that, because the Bears obviously are staring at at least a, a big major retool. If you don't want to call it a full teardown, full rebuild, fine. I'll allow you to say that. But they're staring down the barrel of a overhaul. Let's call it that, a roster sure. overhaul. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't have a lot of blue chip guys. You know, they have Justin Fields. They have Roquan Smith. They have David Montgomery. They have Jalen Johnson. Just, you know, there's your four real true blue chip guys because Dave Montgomery, love him, but I don't think you can really consider, you know, a running back a true blue chip in this league. So you have those guys. Now, if you're the Bears, and, you know, this is up to interpretation, but knowing the kind of roster overhaul you're facing, do you go for those guys that kind of have that pop or do you want someone who's more refined, more polished, so, you know, what What do you, I mean, and you could get those guys, you know, you could get multiple of those guys. You don't mm-hmm. have to just pick one. But, you know, in that instance, you know, I feel like personally, if you look at Dotson, you're like, okay, he pops. We think we can kind of sand the edges a little bit and, you know, polish it up a little bit. And then in a year or two years, he's the guy, he's the bona fide number one. Or do you want to go, okay, we want the higher floor guy. So I think what you're kind of in, like asking here and the context is like, do you want a guy who's going to produce like relatively immediately? Who's more NFL ready given the the shape of the roster? Is that what you're kind of saying? A guy who's more posh, who's ready to go well, this year because they, I, they're I'm not just, be that good so I guess the it. question, I guess the question is like, how do you, what do you think gets you back to where you want to be faster? So like the playoffs, like do you, okay. what do you think gets you to the I, playoffs faster? Is it a higher floor type person? Like, is it someone with a higher floor who has less risk of, you know, you know what they're going to be, even if they're just like a wide receiver too, you know, that's mm-hmm. what they're going to be. Or do you take like a Dotson who, okay, they have a, a huge ceiling, like a, a true bona fide top 15 receiver type ceiling, but also there's a chance they don't meet that potential. And then the bottom kind of falls out. I mean, I don't think you have to choose one or the other, but I'm completely. Right. No, I agree. You don't. Right. You for sure don't. Because I think they're going to take two wide receivers. And I, I said that last week, but I think you're completely fine. Like there's people who are nervous and there's people who are scared about taking a player like that who has high upside and like, you know, a low floor or, you know, there's a certain aspect that kind of worries them, whether it's an injury, which is a common theme among players in our list. I'm totally fine taking a flyer on a guy who's had an injury in the past, a guy who's got a higher upside, who just needs a little bit of coaching, because here's why. And this is exactly the whole, like, this is my number one thing that people forget, especially Bears fans, given the situation the past four years is you don't always have to go after the guy who's the most polished, most ready guy, because that's the power of coaching. Good coaches take guys who need a little bit of who, who need a little bit of coaching, and they freaking coach them like that's what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to make them better. That's the difference, Jake, between a good team and a bad team, right? It's as simple as that. Sure. Like the difference between a good team and a great team is acquiring star players through agency and and spending a lot of money and 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 you know doing what the Rams and the Chargers and you know all those teams currently are doing, the Dolphins, but. The difference between a good team and a bad team is taking players like a Jahan Dotson, players who have a lot of upside, 
raising their floor and turning them into more polished players, although they might not be the most ready guy. So it's like, you know, once we evaluate players, like we say, oh shit, you know, this GM really missed on this guy. And like, it, it's solely to blame the scouting department. You solely blame the GM when in reality, yeah, the GM might've picked the wrong guy or a guy who maybe wasn't as good as the guy who was picked above them, but the coach and the staff didn't make the player better. And, and they weren't conscious of the strengths or the weaknesses of that player. And, you know, that's why the whole conversation that I've had and the whole, you know, opinion for me about Ryan Pace, the past four years and Mr. Trubisky has been around that line of thinking, right? Is the fact that you had a player who was not the best option. And that is, that goes for multiple players outside of Mr. Trubisky, a lot of players that were drafted by Ryan Pace, but the coach did not focus on Kevin White, Adam Shaheen, Adam Sheen. You, it goes down the Anthony line, Miller. Go, down the line. Coach didn't focus on the strengths. They neglected the weaknesses and you get, you, you get guys who go to different teams and play better. Leonard Floyd is one of them that just pops into your mind, a guy who just went to a different team and played better. That is the power of good coaching and the reason why you don't have to go after the polished player every single time. So that's my take on it, but you can do both as well. Like, I'm not just going to sit here and say, don't take the NFL-ready player. Like, no, you want that guy. (laughs) There's no wrong answer, really. There's no wrong answer. So um, let's go back to the list real quick because your number one guy is – probably the number one guy for 90% of the Bears community. That would be George Pickens from Georgia. He seems to be rising. Again, I think he's similar to Dotson or to Ross in the sense that he has the pure athletic ability and explosiveness and just like pop on tape that teams might fall in love with that. But what makes you believe not only that he could be the number one option at 39, but that he could be available as well because people seem to think he's rising. Right. Uh, So part of my reasoning for putting Pickens number one was just all this smoke around him and the Bears, seemingly connecting them as far as draft slot and draft status and need, obviously. Um, I mean, Pickens, obviously, I mean, he's a guy, he he came off an injury, came to the national championship game and had a catch for 52 yards. Like there's just like, you talk about that pop and obviously, you know, the injury is concerning and the bears don't exactly have the best luck with drafting injured players. I mean, Eddie Jackson obviously worked out, but sometimes the bears aren't exactly great with that. Um, Their medical staff is, you know, left a little to be desired over the last couple of years. Regardless, I really like what Pickens brings and I really like kind of his ascension as well. Like it's just a lot of this for me, for these guys is their track. Like, are they tracking upwards? Like, or do they plateau at a certain point? And, you know, we'll talk about Justin Ross in a second, because that's kind of a, uh, you know, a irony of that, I guess, or, you know, he doesn't yeah. really fit that mold, but um, you know, Pickens is going up and up and up came in in the championship game, had a huge catch for 52 yards um, was really his only impact in that game, but still just the ability to do that and being that much of a freak to tear your ACL in the spring of the same year and then come back in the national championship. Like I, I think that he, I mean, he's long, he's big. He, I think he has that deep threat ability to be that guy for Justin Fields for that big play right. uh, type of tandem, which is great. So he's number one for me a lot because of where he's currently being projected and the bears need. He's your pure X receiver. You're, you're like a, like right. a Van Jefferson type, right? Like he fits that mold. And there's a lot of people who are like, the bears just got to go get that X receiver. Like it doesn't matter. Just go get that X receiver. Who's tall. Who might be lanky. Like, I don't think the bears have to do that. Like, I don't think you should be saying, let's not look at Calvin Austin. Let's not look at sky Moore. Let's not look at Jahan Dotson. Cause they're not a pure X receiver. I don't think you have to do that, but you're right. I mean, th- those are things I like about Pickens, but enough about Pickens, you know, people hear too much about, let's go to, let's go to Justin Ross, because this is mm-hmm. undeniably, I feel like we're the sure. only two people in the Bears podcast, Bears Twitter world community that has him as high as we do. And 
I don't know why. I mean, I know. Well, I, like, this isn't projecting him anywhere. We're just saying we really like him. Right, right. And, and we're not necessarily, we're not saying take him at 39. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I think you could take him at 48. I wouldn't take him at 39, but I, I mm-hmm. think he will be available at 48 if, if if that's how it shakes out. Because the bottom line is, you know, we just don't, like, there is no confirmation that the Bears are solely 100% going to go wide receiver at 39. Right. But I can, with fair certainty, tell you the Bears should and probably will take a wide receiver in the second round, whether they trade back and or, or you know, whatever they do. Right, you you gotta assume they'll take one wide receiver in the first round. Correct? Can we at least well assume round, that? Yeah. Or did I say first round? Sorry, second round. Um, with their first pick. Yeah, with first their first pick. pick. But so the reason why you know everyone sees Justin Ross and like, well, that name might you know might sound familiar. Well, yeah, because his freshman year he went absolutely crazy. A thousand yards, forty six receptions, nine touchdowns, twenty point seven yards per reception. He torched Alabama in the national championship game. Then he got injured, and the injury he went down. And then after he went down, um, this past year, twenty twenty one. Lower production. You talked about, you know, the the sort of opposite of the other guys is instead of an ascension, it was a descension from a production standpoint. But the scouts say, and I've heard this from a number of people, a number of things that I read, you gotta evaluate him based off his 2019 tape because what you saw in 2021 was given a different offense and a different quarterback. And it, you know, in 2019 he had Trevor Lawrence and things were different. Like evaluate him off a quarterback who underwhelmed too, and a team exactly. that underwhelmed. Oh, a hundred percent. You're a hundred percent right. But this is a guy who, after that freshman season, was projected to be the number one wide receiver taken come you know twenty twenty two. The injury yeah. happened, the 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 down and uh, the downfall in production happened, and here he is lying at uh to me an absolute steal in the second round. What do you love about Justin Ross? Because I am infatuated with him. I think he's an absolute steal for anyone who gets him. Yeah, I really love him. Uh, I don't know. Because the injury thing does scare me because we've seen this. We've seen, especially with receivers, where the injury bug, like you say, okay, we, you know, once we get them on an NFL type training system and support system, they won't be as injured as much. But, and then they do. And so that scares me a little bit. And I think that's why you see Justin Ross mocked or projected as low as like the fifth round. Um, I think the bear, like, I don't want the Bears to take him at 39 or 48. I think that I'd rather have them take – there's going to be better options there. Mm-hmm. Um, if you get – I'd probably be okay with it in the third, definitely in the fourth or fifth, though. If he slides to the fourth or fifth round, you got to pull the trigger there. I mean, like you said, there's people – whatever you read on Justin Ross in his scouting report right now, it's look at the 2019 tape. Look at what he did with Trevor Lawrence. Like, look at what he did with a good supporting cast, and, you know, he's supposed to be the – cast, but with a good quarterback, with a pro quarterback on a championship team when he was the focal point. I agree. I mean, like you said, his freshman year, people were talking about, all right, you're going to draft Lawrence. And then a year later, you could draft Ross or, you know, or mm-hmm. whatever it was the same year, something like that. Like people were dreaming about pairing this guy with anybody, with any young quarterback. And now it's just the injuries have kind of led to that fall off for him, unfortunately, but it could be it could be like Eddie Jackson situation for the bears. You know, like Justin Ross could be what, you know, could be Ryan Poles as Eddie Jackson, you know, what Eddie Jackson was to Ryan pace. So I think there's definitely an opportunity there. I wouldn't reach for him before the third round. I think you like, I think you can still get a very good wide receiver who doesn't have as many injury concerns in the second round, as well as get, you know, a, a very good a day one starter type of corner as well for opposite Jalen Johnson. If Ross goes to the third, though, I'm all in. 
I think you got to be all in. And, and there might be a scenario like there's a few of these guys who I think you're right are, are, are between rounds three and five. And you just don't know where you just don't know how it's going to shake out. I think right. John Mechie uh, is one of those players as well. Maybe Calvin Austin if he falls. And in that case, like if the Bears find a way because there's been a lot of talk about trading down and they find a way to acquire a later third or an early fourth. then yeah, I think you can see that happen because they currently don't have that fourth round pick. I don't know if they'd wait to five to see if Ross falls, if they need a wide receiver at the time. Again, it just really depends on what they do. But I do like that late three, early four area for Justin Ross. But honestly, the way I would I would say it, the way I would put it is, I think he's the most complete wide receiver in the draft, talent-wise. I really do. I mean, I, I look at what he possesses from a size standpoint. I mean, a lot of the questions about the top guys, or at least the guys that we have on our list, is they lack something in their size. Either they lack the weight because they're 6'3", 185, or they lack the height sure. because they're 5'11". Justin Ross is 6'4", 205. Yeah, he could probably put on a few more pounds, maybe get up to like 215 after his first year, but he's the perfect size. He does everything really well. I mean, he's explosive. He's got unbelievable hands. He's a really good route runner. He's arguably the best winner at the line of scrimmage amongst all players in the well, draft. So, so that's like, the thing, though. With with his injuries, you have to make sure that explosiveness is still there. Like, right, you can't say, all right, this guy's fair. explosive, and then you get him, and he's, you know, he can't burst anymore. Mm-hmm. That, and I think that might be a reason that you see him fall because you can't guarantee that that explosive, like, yeah, you can put him through the test and his combine results and his pro day results, but you can't guarantee that explosiveness came back. Right. And, 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 Shit, that's what happened to Kevin White. I mean, that's that was the literal thing that happened to Kevin White. The difference is Kevin White was taken with the seventh overall pick. You know, Justin Ross won't be taken late three early four, late five to where it's a point where like, once you get to those, that part of the draft, you're more comfortable taking the flyer because the stakes aren't as high, right? You know, oh shit. Like you, you know, you could get a first round talent in the fourth round and you have to take that risk because it could, it could go on either side of the spectrum. You could either get a first round talent, a guy who could be a top 25 wide receiver in the NFL at some point, if he does maintain that same explosiveness, or you could get a complete bust, a guy who never gets on the field, right? But you're more comfortable taking that risk in the fourth round or in the late third round, then you are with the seventh overall pick. And that's the difference when you talk about the comparisons from him to a Kevin white type, but nonetheless, like if he's healthy coming into the NFL, this will be the steal of the draft. I'm telling you, Mm -hmm. right. I truly do think this would be the steal of the draft at any position at all, at all positions, not just wide receiver. That's why Jake and I, both have him at number two. Let's go to a guy that we didn't talk about last week that you have at number four, Sky Moore out of Western Michigan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not high on Sky Moore, but I want to give you the floor on what you think about him. You have him vaulted up to number four. And hey, there are people as well who are saying he could get up to later end of the first round. Again, it seems like they do yeah. this for every receiver. Well, maybe they, you know someone takes a fire, <laughs> like the Jalen Rager deal. You know, like, oh, no, man. You know, it's like <laughs> something like that. Like, you know, don't take Jameson Williams. Take a... Uh, Take Sky Moore, you know, something Justin like Jefferson. that. Justin Jefferson. Hey, that's what I'm alluding to. Take, uh, tell me what you like about Sky Moore because I'm not too high on him. Yeah, so I, kn- I know the thing that scares people away from Sky Moore is his size and that he comes from Western Michigan. And, you know, he's a name you maybe haven't heard of. But I really like anytime you can get a thousand yard receiver, it, no matter where they come from, you have to at least take a look at him. And I just like <laughs> his fit. I like his fit because you have the outside receiver and Darnell Mooney. And you have what you think is an explosive burst type guy in Byron Pringle. Now that remains to be seen if he could take another step forward after he had a career year in Kansas City last year. More, I really like as a guy who fits right into the slot. He could be that safety blanket right away. He can be that that Julian Edelman. He can be that Hunter Renfro type of player where you put him right in the slot, you have him on the short routes. And yeah, of course, he's a wide receiver. He could do it all, I'm sure, if you ask him to. But you give him right there in the slot, 
and he can just take it and run and go over the middle. And that's what you lack right now. You like Equinomia St. Brown. What is he? We don't know. You know, Byron Pringle, you kind of hope that he turns into more of an explosive playmaker. Darnell Mooney, you hope takes that second leap forward in his next year. Uh, But you don't have a true slot guy. You don't have a safety blanket type of guy. So I really like Sky Moore. Yeah, small school. Uh, you kind of get into the uh, maybe the Adam Shaheen type of. Uh, oh no, you're not there. there as you're, as not, as you're not. You're not. You're, you're not Adam quite Shaheen there. Territory. But but still, and I know that people are scared of small schools though. Um, but I I like Sky Moore. I like his fit, and I like and the production is there, despite being against you know maybe lower tier opponents and you know the Power Five. Put a little respect in the MAC conference. They 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 deserve a little bit of respect, but. Exactly. I, I'm going to say, right. I think he's the most overrated wide receiver in the draft. I mean, I do like, sure. It's, it's, I, I don't think he should be a first round pick. No. I and I don't he, think like, he should he, be a second round pick. I mean, that's like, uh, that's where I stand with him. If, I mean, if he's your, if he's 48, I'm fine with that. The, the problem I see is like, okay, he comes from Western Michigan. He, he coming from a school that's comparable to what I would say, like NDSU is, I mean, NDSU is an FCS school, but like he didn't do what like Christian Watson did at NDSU. Like he didn't do what Watson did to those type sure. of opponents coming, you know, like you would expect a sky more to do what like a Corey Davis did from central Michigan uh, when he was drafted in like the top 10, a few years ago, he wasn't doing that for me. You know, he played Michigan. He had two receptions, 22 yards, you know, that, and that, you know, it's one game, but it's indicative of something. Okay, you go to play the top talent. What what happens? The thing that I saw is he doesn't on tape. His speed does not reflect his forty time. I mean, he ran a four four one forty time. That's faster than Dotson who ran a four four two. But I'm watching. I'm like, he's not breaking away from anyone. He's not creating any separation, especially for a smaller receiver who you expect to create a little bit more separation and be a little bit twitchier. He's not the most twitchy. The thing he does well is he tracks the ball well and he's got good hands and he, he makes some you know very good catches. The receivers draped over him, but I just I, I don't see the same twitchiness and the same speed and the same separation and the same you know get that ability from. Sure. A smaller guy that you would expect. And that's why I'm a little bit lower on Sky Moore. Now, I mean, it's you're right about, you know, can they get that guy in the slide, you know, to compliment? But, you know, Darnell Mooney is not an extra receiver. Darnell Mooney could play that Z as well. Sure. And yeah. I don't know. I just, I'm not high on him, but I, I, I understand why, what, what some people see on tape that is attractive. I just, I cannot believe that there are people vaulting him into the, the later end of the first round. But hey, if the Packers want to take Sky Moore, they can take Sky Moore <laughs> and I'll be perfectly fine with it. Um, let's wrap up your list here with Traylon Burks, a player who is, you know, in, in most people's, let's say, top six or top seven, would be pretty surprising if he fell to 38. But one of these wide receivers will fall. It may be Traylon Burks. Jake, tell me why. Yeah, I mean, it just seems like he's falling. Uh, not really sure why. It just seems like he's starting to fall down the draft board. Maybe it's more guys are jumping him more so than him falling or anything like that. But I've seen him fall into the second round and a couple of projections. And if he does that, I mean, a thousand yard receiver from the SEC, you got it. Like, you just got to pull the trigger on that. It's as simple mm-hmm. as that. Yeah. I mean, I think you're right. And and it's funny because Shane M here says uh, we're getting Olave and it, it's funny, man. Like as I talk about Christian Watson and, and Sky Moore and Traylon Burks and like Olave hasn't been getting the same smoke that he received even months ago. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you Olave is going to fall to 38, 
but I don't think Olave is going to be a top 20 pick at this given point in time. I think Ooh. there are teams, again, I think there are teams that are falling in love with explosiveness and speed. And just the same way that Patrick Mahomes broke the NFL in the evaluation of, of quarterbacks in the draft, I think Tyreek Hill has broken the evaluation of, of wide receivers in the draft. And all of a sudden, people want these twitchy guys, these fast guys, these smaller guys who are going to get open and create space for you. And, and who can, and, you know, you want explosive motion, players, you know, West Coast offense. Yeah, you want explosive guys. And, you know, Chris Olave, like he's not explosive. He's smooth and he's an um, the best route runner in the draft and he's going to do everything right. But like people are going to watch his tape versus like a Christian Watson. Be like, oh my God, Christian Watson's like catching the ball. He's running through 55 people. He's doing all this, all that. And like Chris Olave is just like running smooth routes and people are going to be like, well, you know, the upside conversation that we just had, Jake, right? Like it's the same exact conversation that some scouts have. Chris Olave still has high upside, but he's the more polished prospect who might have a lower ceiling than maybe a Christian Watson. So I I could see Olave falling. I don't think he's going to fall to 38, but I could see him falling. Let's go to the last player on my list before we switch segments here. Um, well, we had, I had Calvin Austin at four. Touched on him a little bit last week. I think he's, uh, you know, the second most underrated player in the draft uh, from a wide receiver position. Behind Justin Ross, fast Tyreek Hill type player, 4-3-2, arguably fastest player in the draft. Has, you know, elite punt return ability as well. Insanely twitchy. Fits perfectly in the Bears offense. But number five for me is a player that no Bears fan, no Bears, you know, analyst, podcaster, Hogue, Johns, all our friends of the program, Kaplan, Oriano, CHDO, all those guys over there. No, no one's talking about John Meshi the third. And, you know, same reason as Justin Ross. Torres ACL in November uh, or in December, December 4th against Georgia in the SEC title game, you know, and people are like, well, torn ACL let's, let's boom, gone drop, you know, four spots, four rounds to round five or round four. If you got John Mechie and it's the same, it's the same conversation as Justin Ross and he is fully healthy and he says he will be ready to go by June are his words. You are getting, a steal, especially when you talk yeah. about year one production, because he is the exact opposite of all of these players we're talking about. John Mechie isn't the best at anything among these wide receivers. He's not the fastest. He doesn't have the best hands. He's not the most explosive. He's not the best route runner. He just does everything really well. He's just a complete player in every yeah. single facet. And that's what you're getting a solid player at every single facet. And that's part of the reason why he's dropping. Uh, you know, outside of the injury factor as well, you know, what does he do? Well, that's what people, that's what scouts are going to ask. You know, when, when they're going to ask the GM that when the GM wants to select John Metcher, what does he do really well? Well, you know, nothing really stands out, but he's a player who's going to come in and be a very, very solid, solid player for you. And he got hurt in that national or in that SEC title game with 54 seconds left in the second half. In that yep. game, you already had six receptions for 97 yards and a touchdown against Alabama in the SEC or against Georgia in the SEC title game. So I, I really, it seems good. I really like John Metchie. I think he's a third, maybe fourth round guy. Uh, you have any opinion on him? I mean, uh, I mean, you nailed everything there. Yeah, if you can get him in that third or fourth round, everything that we've said goes out the window. I mean, except for maybe Justin Ross, but like Metchie, he's unbelievable. The production's there more recently than Justin Ross. So yeah, I mean, if if you can. And obviously it's never 100% given and you can't guarantee anything, but if you feel confident in his medicals and what comes back on his physicals, then you got to pull the trigger on that. Cause like you said, it's not that he like kills you one way or the other. It's that he does everything really, really well. And you, and you need that type of guy for Justin Fields. You, that's really what you need because Darnell Mooney, as much as we like him, he has some flaws. He's not, you know, the greatest receiver ever. We think he can be good. 
We think he could be a, num- a number one wide receiver, kind of at the lower end of that list, though. He's not going to mm-hmm. be a top 10 receiver in the league. So, I mean, Mechie could very, I very, 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 very tentatively say could be that type of player. And even if he's not, he's an all-around do-it-all type of guy that you could easily see being Justin Fields' go-to guy right off the bat. Yeah, he just and you're absolutely right. He just does everything well, and it's that's attractive sometimes, especially again given the Paris situation. Like what you're right when you touch on the point that well, like maybe we shouldn't be taking risks. Maybe Ryan Poles won't want to take a risk at this point. You know, he's different from Ryan Pace, and if you don't want to take a risk, I mean, I guess you you know you still are taking a risk because he had the injury. But as far as his, his talent as a wide receiver, it's less of a risk as right. some of the other guys. Now, Robert Gein is in the chat saying no one cares. Well, apparently, Robert Gein, you care enough to <laughs> come into our chat and comment that. So uh, you care, Next. but let's uh, let's take a little break real quick. <laughs> let's take a little break because we have an ad to do. Courtesy of Palmer Brand. Palmer Brand is a premier clothing brand based out of the city of Chicago, delivering you comfortable, high quality, and stylish clothes you absolutely need for the upcoming summer season. Palmer Brand offers tank tops, bucket hats, t-shirts, shirts, hoodies, and caps with various logos and designs that will fit any style. I wear my shirts all the time. I'm wearing one right now because of the soft material and snug fit that slims the body. First-time customers will receive wristbands, and anyone who uses the code BNP, that's code BNP, will receive 15% off on their order. So don't be missing this summer on the chance to be styling your way through the shy city or wherever you live and get hooked up with Palma brand. Let's move to our next segment, Jake. This is something that I've seen uh, go on a lot that I just kind of wanted to ask you um, that I thought was interesting was how angry or what would you, how angry would you be? Or what would you think about the possibility of bears of the bears going defensive with both of their second round picks, because there are a lot of discussions about, you know, do they go DL? Are they interested in DL? Because, you know, there's people are saying, well, they played their hand because of the Larry Ogunjobi free agent, uh, free agency move. That was the number one thing. It didn't fall through. Do they try to go DL? We know CB is arguably, if not the most um, open hole on the roster. What are the odds of it happening? Would you be angry? What would you think if the Bears went defense, both of those second-round picks? If you use one of those picks on corner, which honestly I expect them to, just because, like you said, it's one of the, if not the biggest needs on this team right now. You really, yeah, me and you personally were high on Thomas Graham. We like what he can bring. We like what he could possibly become. But you still have, like, let's say Thomas Graham starts day one, that still leaves Kendall Vildor or Duke Shelley as your slot corner. You still have someone that you're not entirely comfortable with starting uh, at day one. You need a corner regardless, someone who you think can start. And I think there's going to be corners available, much like a Jalen Johnson that can start day one if you draft them on the second day there. So I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be mad if one is a corner. Um, if it's Here's the thing. I'm not going to be mad either way. I'm not going to be like, I'm not going to be banging the table saying, what the hell? Fire pulls. He's a bomb. He's not the guy. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Heard that um, already. <laughs> right. And the thing is, you know, we heard that when the Ogan Joby signing fell through. We're hearing it now because he's not signing enough guys. Um, I'm not going to be like that. Will I be disappointed? A little bit. Yeah, of course. You Drafting offense is always going to be more exciting than drafting defense unless it's like a star crazy linebacker or cornerback. Of course, you always want to draft a wide receiver or uh, you know a quarterback in the case of last year because it's more exciting. It's you can see it more. You could you can look at the tape and see their athleticism or see what they're doing more than a guy in coverage or, or what a guy brings on the back end of coverage. 
you know, it, it's, I won't, I'll be a little disappointed because I, especially if there's a lot of wide receivers on the board, but maybe that says to us that, Hey, Ryan Poles thinks that he can get John Mechie in the third, or he could get Justin mm-hmm. Ross in the fifth. You know, it, it depends on how the rest of it shakes out. Um, will that call Will that stop me from overreacting on Twitter? Probably not. Probably still going to have takes, but you know, that that's part of the fun of it. And that's part of the fun of doing these projections because we get to talk about stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm totally in agreement with I am Scott's right here saying that's a red flag, as you said. I mean, I, is that a red flag as far as my evaluation of, of Ryan Poles? And I'm not going to, you know, go out with a sign outside of House Hall calling for his firing. But <laughs> I think, you know, you can't go rally. into the offseason with the idea and the ideology that we're going to do our best and then and have the words come from your mouth that you're going to do everything you can to surround Justin Fields with the best possible situation and then go out there and provide him with Byron Pringle, Lucas Patrick, and no one else, you know? And that's why I think ultimately they're going to go wide receiver and they're going to, you know, get very talented first round talent players in the second round to provide Justin Fields with, you know, some semblance of targets that can make him a better player. Because the bottom line is at at this given moment, the bears aren't going to be a contending playoff football team at this given moment. It's just not the way the roster is built right now. So the one thing you have to take away is the development of Justin Fields. And, you know, you have to, put together a team that's going to give him the ability to do that. You have an offensive line. I think that has the capability to do it. If you shake it, if it shakes out the right way, but you don't have the receiving threats to do it right now. You just don't. And, you know, getting just two of these guys, if you ended up getting a Ross and a Dotson or a a Calvin Austin and a a Mechie, just two of them, you are a significantly better team. And that's why I think they're going to go two wide receivers at some point. Maybe it's the fifth, Maybe it's both in the second. Maybe it's a second and a third. But I'm not going to be upset if they take a cornerback. I will be upset if they take two defensive players. And if they, you know, go best player available, you know, it's the age-old question, right, Jake? Best player available, best player um, or, or, or player of need. What are you going to go for, right? And right. shit, if like N'Kobe Dean, the linebacker Dick Buckkiss Award winner of the year, like falls to you at 38, like there's rare situations where you might have to take the best player available. but I think given the situation the Bears are in and the ideology that you need to put Justin Fields in the best situation possible, 38 or 48 or 39 or 48 has to 100% absolutely be an offensive player, specifically wide receiver, that is going to be a direct help to Justin Fields. That's where I stand. And, you know, I, I, it's like, you don't know. I mean, you, you just never know. And there's no way to tell. The, the only way we'll know is after April 28th. Is, is I think uh, the day of the first round. So 29th day of the second round, day two. But uh, that's that's the question I want to ask because a lot of people are talking about that. And there's one other thing I wanted to address that I saw today on the radio station that you work for, Jake, 670 The Score. From Mike Flory, who was on with Bernstein Rahimi today, said, quote, it feels like the Bears are deliberately taking a step back. And the problem is usually teams do that when they don't have a QB they believe in and he went on to go to say that the bears don't believe in justin fields and that is reflected by the moves that they have made in free agency and the potential moves that they meet that they uh will make in the draft your thoughts on whether the bears are giving up on justin fields what that means and if they if you really think they are deliberately taking a step back yeah i mean florio's a clown i mean he's 
he does this for you know clicks and he does this every now and again where he gets bored and he'll do something he knows the chicago media is going to jump down his throat if he says this and then he gets to go on espn 1000 and you know wgn and everywhere else and his you know quote gets floated around everywhere if this like it's so silly to say oh yeah ryan poles and mad eberflus are out on justin fields after knowing him for three months what that how does that make sense that like in no world does that make sense. It's dumb. It's it's hogwash. It's you know shredder feeder. <laughs> it's it's yeah. I mean that's exactly what it is. I mean it's it's not going to. It doesn't mean anything. I don't think the Bears are deliberately taking a step back, and that kind of leads into my uh, into the next segment that we're gonna do after our second ad read here. Are you low on budget, but still looking fresh for fresh clothes to make you stand out this summer? That's definitely me. And if it's you too, got to get hooked up with Palma Brand. Palma Brand has hoodies, t-shirts, tank tops, hats, shorts, and sweats, and all the summer colors all for an affordable place. Plus, the soft material and slim fit make Palma Brand the ideal clothing option as warmer weather rolls around. Maybe not quite yet in Chicago, but soon enough. All you have to do is use code BMP and you receive 50% off all Palma Brand items. And first-time customers receive wristbands in their order so throw on your air force ones or joins and top the fit off with palma brand so you can be the one in the fan group rocking all the fits without breaking the bank we're going to move into our would you rather segment and it leads right into what we were just talking about about you know sort of the timidness sort of the the caution the reservation of uh ryan Poles to make significant moves again that would have been larry Joby, but we kind of classified that Last week is a tier two move, maybe even a tier three move, not a tier one move. And it led me to believe, are we underestimating the potential for Ryan Poles to move up in the draft and show his firepower now? Or are we just accepting the fact that this is how free agency is going to be? The would you rather I have is let's assume in a universe where Chris Olave falls to the later end of the first round, talking picks 28, 29, maybe falls out of the first round. Would you rather have the Bears in that scenario move up to take a player like Olave? Or maybe it's not just Olave. Maybe it is like uh, a Watson. Or maybe it is someone else who just falls and they're really in love with him. Would you rather have the Bears move up to take a player like that or sit back and not take a wide receiver until the fifth round? What would you rather have happen? So so at the crux of this question is move up or move down. I mean, not necessarily move up or move down, but say you either move up for a wide receiver or you, you you take what's there and you don't take a wide receiver until later, whether you move down or not. And it's it, it's really the pressing need, but it's the question. I mean, do you think they're going to do that? I think um, I don't think they'll be overly aggressive for a wide receiver just to take a wide receiver. Like I think. I think if someone they like isn't there, I think they'll wait because you know you can maybe take a swing on a Justin Ross or a Mechie later in the round. Okay. I, I, I'm see the reason why the would you rather is hard for me is I don't want to wait till the fifth round and I'm not comfortable with right. no, no, you don't want to you know? wait, but I'd also rather not have them go, oh God, we need a wide receiver. Okay, let's just take this guy and hope for the best. Like I'd rather I'd rather the process indicate that it was someone they were comfortable with and they didn't overreact to you know, a run on wide receivers or something like that. The weird thing is like that I can't understand yet is I don't know who Ryan Poles is as a right. talent or not as a 10 
evaluator, but as a, a roster constructor. Let's put it that way, right? Like, I don't know if he's truly just a guy who's going to find value in players for less money, if he's doing that this year because you're in the middle of a retool, or if he's saving it. And that leads into the next would you rather. Would you rather the Bears be aggressive in the 2020 draft, whether it's moving up into the first round or at any other point, or be aggressive post-draft if we assume Tyron Matthew isn't going to be you know, uh, dealt in the before that, Go after a guy like Tyron Matthew. Go after a guy like Julio Jones post-draft. What would you rather them do, be aggressive in the draft or post-draft in free agency? If things hold the way they are now, I think I'd rather them be aggressive post-draft. Like, if you could tell me, like, if you tell me that Tyron Matthew and Sammy Watkins are going to be there after the draft, I'll absolutely say after the draft. Like, obviously, we can't guarantee that, but... 1,000% 1,000% I'd rather take that because, A, especially Matthew, you know he's a star. He's an all-pro caliber player, championship caliber player, mm-hmm. the guy you bring to a championship-level defense. Uh, if you could tell me for sure that he's going to be there, I personally really like Sammy Watkins and what he could potentially be in this offense, um, even though he never really lived up to the billing he had coming out of college. But if you could tell me those guys are going to be there, then yeah, absolutely. And Grant, we still have two weeks until the draft even happens. so. Who knows? But yeah, I think I'd rather them because it's kind of like the answer to the first question. I'd rather them be comfortable with who they're picking than be aggressive just to be aggressive. Okay. I, I mean, I, I yes, I, I agree with that as well. And it's just it goes back to this question. And really, what is your answer? Like what the the, the answer to the question, our final question of the podcast today will be, you know. At what point, if ever this year, do you think Ryan Poles will show his aggressiveness, will show, you know, look, I have arrived. I came into the press conference saying, look, we're going to take the North and not give it back. I haven't showed that through the moves that I've made. But guess what? I'm here now. This move, this player, this X acquisition shows that I have arrived and I'm here to stay. Do you think he makes a move like that at any point in the draft or post or pre? I think... We possibly here's I think the Ogan Joby fallout messed up a lot of stuff. I think it messed up a lot of stuff because, yeah, a lot of us didn't think that that was a tier one slam dunk move. We all thought it was a good move. We all thought it was a solid start. And then that was supposed to be your launching pad and these other tertiary moves. And instead of being a launching pad, it turned into quicksand. And I think if that had never happened, maybe you're more aggressive for, you know, some of those top tier guys that signed early. Um, and especially because I just said, you know, like, would we consider it aggressive if he goes and gets Tyron Matthew? Yes, after the that's draft? aggressive. That's aggressive, in my opinion. That's like um, a boom. Look, I made a move. We're going. He's a tier one player. He's a tier one player, in my opinion. I'm going to say yes, we see it. More because you kind of have to, you know? I agree. Um, whether that's Tyron Matthew, whether that's something in the draft, I, I don't even know what really that aggressive quote unquote would be. Maybe it's like you trade your two firsts for Olave at the end of the first round or to jump into the first. I don't know. I don't know what that looks like. It, it could look different to everybody. I don't know. But yeah, I mean, it kind of depends what you consider aggressive. I guess I'll say yes, but realistically, when you get a new GM, you're not really going to see those super aggressive moves until year two. Mm-hmm. I, so I, maybe waiting you're right i i it's it's a sad reality because you want to sure. get that splash player but i do think that they're holding out for something and 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 like Absolutely. it may be not even like 
Like I, I think like a Julio Jones or a Stephon Gilmore or a Sammy Watkins guy could even sure. qualify as sort of that more splash aggressive move. And I think it happens at some point, most likely post draft, because we talked about last week the fact that a lot of times what you can do is shape the roster with free agents post draft once you see how the draft shakes out for you, because it may shake out the way you want and may not. And you may go after certain players you thought you wouldn't get, may, position groups you thought you wouldn't fill, and then. You know, free agency is or post draft free agency is when you go get that 33 year old veteran whose you know contract numbers are are, are just slowly declining by the week. You only got to pay the guy you know three million dollars who's still you know at the 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 later end of his prime. So I think it happens at some point. JC Treader, you know, I am Scott yep. says Dwayne Brown. I mean, that's possible. There, there's a lot of guys. Eric Fisher. There's guys available. I think. You'll see a Jason Peters, I guess, is the the equivalent from last year type move at some point or a, a bigger move like like Tyra Matthew. And again, if people wonder why we're saying that, it's kind of obvious the connection is there between Ryan Poles and uh, Tyra Matthew just given his time in Kansas City. And there's been rumors about Anthony Hitchens coming to the Bears, um, who was previously with the, the, the Chiefs uh, and has a connection with Matt Eberflus as well. But. I think that's all we got, Jake. You want to touch on anything else as far as wide receivers or, or any other names or any other questions? No, I think we uh, we hit it all. You know, this is type of the uh, the type of time in the year where it's all up in the air. <laughs> it's all open to interpretation, and that shows. I mean, we're two weeks from the draft. Things might start to become clear. The Bears have been doing a lot of visits, but it's been interesting. It's going to be interesting. It has been. And, you know, I think next week we'll do our mock draft. We'll do our full. Sure. We, we'll probably do the live mock draft here on the show, which is a, a fun interaction to have with you guys. The viewers. I remember we did that last year and it was a fun time. Um, yeah. But, you know, at this time last year, if I told you Justin Fields fell to the Chicago or fell to a position where the Chicago Bears could trade up for him at 12, would you think I'm crazy? Like, probably. Uh, you you so, tried to make that case and we all, we all yelled at you. I know you all yelled at me. I mean, I, I but I said they'd move up to eight and um, then right. moving up a little later. But again, that's why, you know, you just, you just don't know. And that's the beauty of it. And that's the excitement of the draft season is, you know, it, it's worth keeping the TV on for the bears uh, on, on that Thursday night, I guess, you know, you just don't know a player might fall a player might not, uh, not a player might fall a player will fall. It's just a dependent of who that player right. will be. But We'll be back here next week, man. I'm excited for that live draft mock draft. We'll get our full uh, our full seven round mocks in, and we'll see who gets closest to being right. And if you get it right, I'll give you a million dollars. I'll give you a billion dollars, Shay, because I don't think it's it's one of the hardest things. I think it's almost just as hard as filling out an NCAA bracket perfectly is to predict <laughs> a perfect mock draft for your team. But um, it'll be fun, man. Can't wait. Yeah, no, it will be. It, that's one of our uh, my favorite episodes that we do. So looking forward to that. We'll go through our mocks next year. So be sure you're here watching and you can yell at us in the comments when we pick players that you don't like or that you do like. And then you can be nice to us, maybe. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But tune in for that. It'll be a lot of fun. Shout out to Palmer Brand. Love them. We're rocking with them. Awesome to have them aboard. We love you guys, the listeners and the viewers. You guys are always the best. Come back next week. And until then, stay well. And as always, bear down. Bear down. Oh, my God.